the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your kick butt host, David Strausser. This is the place for you to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. Another epic episode today. I have a feeling you are all going to love it. So much so, I better see some heart emojis down there in the comment sections. <laughs> okay, but first, I got a couple brief announcements to make. I've announced this now for a couple episodes, but I just want to reiterate, okay? I have my first full article published on Forbes.com, and that is really special because it actually derives from what I've learned here on this very show with a lot of the guests and the experts that we've had on here right here on Shark Bite Biz is how I kind of formulated the information that I learned and put it into this article. I think you'll love it. I'd love to hear feedback on it. Get out there, read it. Link is down in the description, whether you're on YouTube or whether you're listening on iTunes. It's there. It's close to the top, right after the link for the guests that come onto the show. The next announcement I have is something I am even more excited about. I didn't... <clears throat> I, I got to say, I didn't think I would ever be doing this, but I am, and that is, I am launching, okay, my own official coffee bread. It's going to be out soon in the next couple weeks. I guess it's about time I can leave that cat out of the bag. It is called Dead House Coffee, you know, and I went with that name. You may think, Dead House Coffee, that's weird. Why'd you pick that name? Well... To be different, you know, to, it's a crowded playing field in the coffee world. And it's also a gigantic, gigantic market. So you need to stand out just with this very podcast, Shark Bite Biz, okay? I didn't do the podcast for a long time. I've had this, I guess, six years ago is when I originally registered everything for the podcast and was going to start. But I got discouraged, okay? I'll, I'll admit, I was kind of a little bit of a weaker mindset. Like, hey, why would people listen to me? I don't have anything like all these other podcasts out there. There's a billion business podcasts. There's nothing I can do that would be of interest to them. And then I realized, you know, again, forced into a corner because of this darn pandemic, that's when I realized like, wow, you know what? I'm going to be different. I'm going to be loud. I'm going to be crazy. I'm going to be fun. I am just going to do things different. I'm going to have a unique angle on everything. And that's exactly what I did with Shark Bite Biz. So I am going to be taking what I learned with Shark Bite Biz and applying it to the marketing, to the branding, to the product of dead house coffee and i mean if you think when we all wake up okay everybody's kind of like a zombie in the morning <laughs> i know i am and you desperately need to get that caffeine blast before you start hitting normalcy again right so you can easily drink dead house coffee to get back to life. <laughs> I'm 100% going to be playing with the zombie apocalypse team with the coffee. I got a ton of ideas about that and just putting the finishing touches on the logo now. It'll be available soon. I just want to put a shout out out there. Any small business owners that want to help me launch this business, you want to carry it in your store, Something like that. Obviously, I would be very grateful for any help I can get. Shoot me an email, david at deadhousecoffee.com. We'll talk. Uh, I'm open to anything at this point. And anybody that helps me, I'm being very generous with them with the ramp up. Otherwise, if you don't have a business that you could sell coffee in, that's fine. Please 
support the brand, support me. That definitely helps support the show as well, too. And like I said, you know, it will be out in only a matter of weeks. And again, I'm just so, so excited to be doing this. Kind of always been my dream to own my own business like this. So it's pretty awesome. And it's kind of like today's guest. And today's guest, I mean, is one of those types of people that really found himself where he is almost by happenstance of life. You know, it was just the path that he took, the natural evolution. And, you know, he's out there just building his own thing. And he's got an awesome, awesome story, a great career transformation. And this dude is really killing it with marketing. So what we're going to do with him today is we're going to be digging in about what many of the business owners are out there are struggling with, and that is information overload. We're going to be helping you grow your business without stress. And we do that because we're going to be communicating the right message to the right people. So who is today's guest? Oh, so glad you asked. Tim Fitzpatrick. Tim is an entrepreneur business owner with an expertise in marketing and business growth. He has 20 plus years of entrepreneurial experience with a passion for developing and growing businesses. His current business, Rialto Marketing, helps service businesses simplify marketing so they can grow with less stress. So I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> I know you guys love it when I do shut up. So I am zipping it. And let's bring Tim Audit here. Make the sale. Tim, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You are now Shark Bait, my friend. <laughs> uh, David, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Oh, no problem. We love playing on puns here in this show. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> laughing. <laughs> but yeah, so we have a tradition. Very first question, okay? Who are you? What's your background? What's your experience? What are you an expert of? What makes Tim him? Cool. I, so I'll, I'll give you the cliff note version of my entrepreneurial journey here. Oh, go ahead. I um. I was not one of those kids that was like, you know, selling baseball cards and had a lemonade stand when I was 10. <laughs> uh, the only thing I cared about at that point was riding my bike and having fun with my friends. So yeah. I, um, when I graduated from college, I ended up getting involved in a wholesale distribution company. We were selling consumer mm -hmm. electronics, so home theater equipment, that kind of stuff. It was fun gear. I loved it and uh, became a partner in that company. We grew that company about 60% a year for over 10 years. And then we sold it in 2005. After that, I worked for them for another three years, got laid off in 2009 when the economy tanked. They freaked out. Um, they did me a favor. I was not enjoying what I was doing at that point. And so I shifted gears. I got into residential real estate. But at that, Most time, people... did it, at that time, did it feel like they were doing you a favor? It did. Um, oh. Yeah, I was not happy. Um, and before I even got home, I was telling myself they did me a favor. Um, but my wife was pregnant at the time and we had just bought a house. So I was fortunate that I was not in a situation where I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to make my mortgage payment? Um, so I had some time. I kind of figured out that I wanted to transition into residential real estate. So at that time, tons of foreclosures. I started door knocking yeah. houses that were in foreclosure and started doing some short sale business. So I was working with the banks to sell houses for less than they were worth. About two and a half years into that, every day I was waking up and I was like, oh my God, I can't stand this. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, why am I continuing to do this? You know, it's like, what's the point in owning a business if you don't love it? And so I, you know, I said, look, I gotta, I gotta shift gears. I can't, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I don't like it. I need to do something different. And that's when I shifted Trial into what error, I'm- error, man. Trial and error. <laughs> that's it. Hey, the, the entrepreneur journey is not a straight path. It's a, it's a winding road. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I shifted gears. I got in and started the company that I have now, which is Rialto Marketing. And we've certainly had some, some shifts there as well. But at this point, you know, we're helping service businesses just simplify marketing so that they can grow with less stress. You know, it's, we find so many businesses are just battling information overload with marketing and it needs to be simplified. So we help them do that by creating and implementing a plan to 
to communicate the right message to the right people. So that's what I'm doing. Was that was that succinct enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was pretty precise. I think that was a really good introduction story to kind of get it all rolling. And you know, let's start it off real real easy, real quick, then, because you're in a marketing company. I don't know if you know this, but we're in a pandemic. Okay. <laughs> yes. You've seen that on the news? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Just check it. So target markets and stuff like that, they've probably changed or it's harder to target your target market. How do you view that things have evolved because of this pandemic with targeting a target market? You know, I think it really depends on the business that you're in and the verticals that you were focusing on. You know, because there are so many businesses that are, have been absolutely crushed, right? I mean, a lot of restaurants have been getting crushed. Hospitality um, are, the, are the two that really come to mind most frequently. But then there are other businesses and even within specific industries. Marketing, I mean, there are some, if I had been focused on helping restaurants, my business would have been crushed. Oh, yeah. But there are within industries there are companies that are succeeding that are doing very well and there are others that aren't and it really had to do with who they were serving you know if i was serving restaurants or hospitality i was in i was in trouble if i was diversified you know what we found from a marketing perspective is a lot of people said oh my god i need to have a strong online presence and either i have not been investing in it or i have not been investing in it enough and I need yeah. to start doing that now. And so a lot of marketing companies have done very well. But, you know, there, there's plenty of other companies that are just struggling because of the target markets they're in. And they have had to shift. So some it's been status quo and others have had to change dramatically. Right? Right. And right. so, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily that they, that they had to shift their... They had to shift their target market if they were focused on a market that has been hit well, heavily. Here's an example. We have, I don't know if you've seen it, but I have awesome bracelets from a company called Strung. And okay. Jenny Mann, the owner of the company, also lead singer of the band Blame Shift. She was on this show, I think it's episode 9 or 10. Uh, hard to think back so far. 9, 10, uh, we're, what's, we're like episode almost 60 right now. So um, anyways, she was on the show and they had an e-commerce presence, but it was very limited. Uh, probably 2% of their orders were coming in e-commerce. Why? Well, because live events, whether yeah. it's concerts or music events, is where they ended up selling a ton of their bracelets. So once live events all got canceled, I mean, that's where they kind of shifted their target market yeah. because they can't do any events and they put everything into revamping, reworking, redoing the website and their digital presence. And now their business is actually out of the roof, even better than it was pre-pandemic, yeah. just because now they're utilizing the digital presence, you know, the way that they should be. Yeah, I see. So the way I view that is their their target market is still the same. They've just shifted mm -hmm. how they're serving that target market, right? They couldn't okay. do in-person events. So now they're they're shifting more to online. They're building up their online presence and they're selling their goods and their goods that way rather than being able to sell it right at a live event. Right. You know, the um you know, movies right? We're seeing the same thing happen with movies now too. I mean, it's like I open up, you know, uh, well, Netflix was perfectly positioned for this, right? They were not, yeah. they were not releasing movies in the theater. They had always been up on this model of releasing movies straight to streaming. Mm -hmm. Well, now you're starting to see, okay, well, you know, Disney or whoever it may be, uh, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to release Mulan, the live action version on Disney plus and we're going to release it early. And if you want to rent it, I can't remember how much it was. I think it was like 20 bucks. 20 bucks, um, yeah. But I'm seeing even on like Amazon Prime, you're seeing, you know, like new release stuff. And I can't remember how they're pitching it, but, yeah. you know, it's basically stuff that they're releasing. Theaters now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you can pay now to rent yeah. it and watch it early. So, you know, they're they're shifting to different channels or different mediums because the traditional right. mediums they were using are no longer working. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that right there with the movies and, and stuff like that. That industry is one, I think, that I, mean, I don't know if theaters are going to be able to really survive. I mean, even the big chains are having trouble with yep. this. If this if this gets prolonged any longer, I mean, if it does end up being all of this year or most of this year, I mean, they're going to be in bad, bad shape. But uh, me being the early adopter I am with technology, I did always prefer to, oh, wow, I can get the movie because they did have this before. It wasn't very common, but before yep. the pandemic, there were certain movies that you can get online around the time that they were still in the theater. And it would range anywhere from 15 bucks, I think, on the low end to sometimes 40, 50 bucks. You know, it just depends on the yep. movie. but. I mean, when I was living out in L.A., we'd see that and I was like, OK, well, for five people to go to the theater, it's going to cost me about one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty bucks. But with OK, I could spend twenty five bucks and then we can buy the dollar popcorn. At <laughs> this is golden. So it was cheaper for us to do it that way. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's just weird how the, the pandemic has just kind of changed the perspective, I think, that people have on everything and what they view for their target markets and stuff. Because those markets, I think what you said is probably really relevant. The target market, like, strung with doing it through online. It was always there. They just weren't actually targeting it before. So yeah. the pandemic has forced, you know, changed people's point of view of how they're they're viewing things to allow them to realize things that they were blinded by before. Yeah. Well, you know, here's another here's another good example. Um, there are a ton of coaches and consultants that were doing being paid to speak, right? They were generating right. tons of money, most of their money through speaking at, at events. They yeah, had the shift, right? Everything has gone to these virtual events. So <laughs> yep. they're still serving the same target market. They've just shifted to a different channel to provide that a similar service. So, you know, it's it's the same thing. You know, you're we just had to shift guy. how we're doing some of those things. So you're a marketing guy. What do you think of virtual events? I mean, I've got to be honest. I don't think I would ever I, I say this now who knows maybe in 10 years i will but i don't think in the short term i would pay for a speech on a, a webinar like tony robbins to see him on a webinar live or my favorite bands aerosmith maybe they're going to do their 50th anniversary concert streaming and it, they're like oh it's 50 bucks a connection you know i don't think i would ever pay for that experience. I view that if I'm paying for money for that, that's something I want to be there live in person. I want real goosebumps, not digital ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think, but I do think it depends on what it is. It, you know, right. I mean, a lot of things have transitioned to virtual, I think pretty well. Um, and for those of us that don't fight change, you know, and we've just embraced it. I think we've, We've gotten used to it, and I still think that it works really effectively. Frankly, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, hey, you know, like I'm doing, you know, like a virtual, you know, networking yeah. meeting over Zoom. I've had so many people go, dude, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this, even if we can meet in person, because, man, I save so much time. Yeah. I still get to see them face to face, you know. So I don't know. I think it can still be really effective virtually. Is it the same? No, it's not. And there certainly are some things that are not going to be the same that are going to get lost in translation. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. But I do think there are a lot of benefits to going virtual um, if we embrace them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like the examples that I just gave, you know, you, there you have two things. You have movie on one hand and then you have concerts or speaking speakers on the other hand and it's like one i fully accept and embrace other ones i'd still watch tony robbins but it, it's just weird because i think people are still kind of nervous these days to pay for digital products or through the web you know it's kind of like that i don't think they value them like they should and i don't know maybe that goes back to 
things like uh, Napster and LimeWire just being embedded, like, oh, yeah, this stuff should be free. And then you look at unlimited music subscriptions. So I don't know. I think maybe the mind is kind of morphed like that. And it's just taking a little bit of conditioning for us to actually see the true value of those. Is yeah. there any validity to that? Absolutely. I think it's still, I mean, we've been in this for, well, let's call it a year now. It's yeah. that's still very early. I mean, things are still evolving. We still don't know how this whole thing's going to play out. So we are, we're still getting used to all this stuff. So I think oh, it's, so you did hear about the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was hard to miss. <laughs> yeah. 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 It changed a lot of lives, a lot of businesses and, really just totally feel bad for you know those businesses that were hard hit but one way that they can stay in business is if they're generating quality leads and increasing conversions in this day and age how can businesses do that isn't their attention being digitally split I mean, right now I'm having a combo with you and I have like seven different things on the screens. Yeah, it um, attention is being split. But I think the the biggest thing that most businesses skip when they look at drive, bringing in new leads and converting is their their marketing message. You know what they're saying, how they're communicating what they do and the value that they provide is really, really important. And most people just don't they don't do a great job of it. They kind of overlook it. They don't think about it as much as they should. Frankly, most businesses talk about themselves too much rather than focusing on their customers, right? Because our customers don't, I may hate to say it, but they don't really care about us. They care about what That's we can do thing. for them. That's one thing I learned very early on. And whenever I get a new sales rep throughout my career, I've always told him the number one rule, shut the heck up. Uh, <laughs> way too much. I've seen so many sales reps talk themselves out of deals because they just couldn't stop talking. It's like, dude, just shut up. You said yes. Okay. Get it signed. Go. Yes. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's hard. And I think that that is something that reflects upon like what you're saying about people do like talking. They like talk, especially when they're talking about themselves and finding yep. out about your customers instead of just talking about you and yourself is pretty important. Yeah, we just need to, we need to be able to clearly communicate how our, what we do, the problem that we solve and how our customers are gonna benefit from that. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be simple and easy for them to understand. It's so many people get cute and clever with what they say. And we, we just have short attention spans. Uh, you know, the last time I saw a statistic was like eight seconds, which is less than a goldfish. So, yeah. you know, if somebody, whatever, whether they land on your website. Wait, wait, wait. They, Did you just say less than a goldfish? Less than the attention span of a goldfish. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. You threw me, threw me off there. Yeah. Uh, that's the stat, but, right? So humans attention span is less than that of a goldfish at this point. So if you try to get cute and clever with what you say to them and you make them think too hard, they you've lost them. They are moving on and that is not what we want, right? So our message needs to be clear and it needs to be consistent and it needs to be engaging to our target market. People, people are lazy. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, they're just looking for the low hanging fruit. Do you interest me? No, moving on. You know, and that's pretty much how it is. We're just, we're very impatient. You know, our, our, yeah. the internet, our, our mobile devices have given us such easy access to information. It's like, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm looking day. at, yeah, I'm looking at like what my kids are learning sometimes. And I'm like, I'm not sure why we're spending time on some of this stuff. I can pull this up in like five seconds. So you're never going to need it in your life. And if you do need it, there's Wikipedia and you got it. Exactly. It's right there. So it's like we are so used to just finding what we want so quickly when we can't, we just we we move on. We're like, ah, oh, forget it. I, I don't even know what the heck these people are trying to sell me on this website. I'm going to their competitor that's number two or three in the search results and I'm moving oh, yeah. on. Yeah, no, exactly. We're, we're used to that instant gratification, yep. getting it 
now, and I was very spoiled about this when I was living out in L.A., because I could, I thought it was so amazing. I could order something on Amazon, and it's like, dude, I just ordered this at like 11 a.m., and 90 minutes later, an hour later, whatever, I'd already have it delivered. <laughs> and I get out here, and where I'm living in rural Philadelphia right now in the suburbs, they don't have the one-hour prime now, same-day delivery. So it, it feels like, oh, my God, I went back in time, and it's driving me insane because I was used to the instant gratification. Now, the good yeah. thing is, is that it has stopped me from buying a lot of things because I would buy it before because it's like, oh, I get it. An hour later, I got it. Can't turn back now. <laughs> it's actually prevented me from buying things. Yeah, we're, we're, we're impatient, most of us. Yeah, yeah. So... You brought up a, an important topic there, which was the marketing message, okay, about how we're not saying the right things, uh, you know, it's not concise, for example. So if you're getting, you know, a, a concise message, you're showing that value to customers. I mean, isn't that an easy way to help increase profits and helping your customers save time because they don't have to filter through all that crap? They get what you do right away. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have, when you have the right message, the marketing that you do is going to convert better, which means it's going to attract higher quality leads you're gonna you and you're gonna you're gonna end up doing more business because of it so it's i mean it's really really important you got to know who your target market is and you got to have a message that's clear and engaging to that target market if you want to be successful with your marketing long term how do you get that message though i mean like for a bracelet company that does rock type jewelry i mean that's kind of easier i think to figure out than I don't know, maybe some of the more complicated things out there. Let's just say you do a specialty service that is complicated, you know, custom made from scratch things. I mean, how, how do you get the right message out that's going to be concise and gives you high quality leads? We, uh, we use a storytelling framework um, that was actually was popularized by a company by the name of StoryBrand. Uh, that was founded by Donald Miller. So, I, you know, I didn't invent this. It, it's based off of uh, the hero's journey, if if you're familiar with that. And they basically... No, look it up. Yeah. So here, I'll give you the nutshell version of it, okay? Every story has a main character, okay, or a hero. They have a problem. They meet a guide that gives them a plan that calls them to action so they can avoid failure and they reach success. Okay. Um, think about, okay. One of my favorite movies is point break, the original point break with Keone Reeves. Okay. He's the main yeah. character, the problem. There's a band of bank robbers, robbing banks in LA. His partner, Gary Busey is the guide. And he says to him, Hey, Keone, I think that, um, the ex presidents, these, these surfers that are, they're robbing banks, they're surfers. So the call to action is you need to learn how to surf so that you can infiltrate these robbers so that we, we catch them success and we avoid failure, which is they ride off into the sunset. What you do with this framework is you are inviting your customer into a story where they are the hero and your company is the guide. Okay. Our, our customers are not looking for another hero. They are looking for a guide that knows exactly what they need to do to solve the problem that they have. So when right. you use this framework, you start plugging in your messaging elements for, for each of these elements. And then now you've got a framework so that every time you need to create a message, you pull it from that framework. You don't reinvent yeah. the wheel. You don't start to say something different. You're pulling it from th those elements each and every time. That's how you create messaging that is clear and engaging. But you can't create messaging that's clear and engaging until you first know what you talked about in the beginning, which is your target market. You have to understand mm -hmm. your target market first and foremost, then you can create the messaging. So one of the things that we do is, first off, I think in a lot of fields, customers, because of the fact that you can pull up anything you want instantly on your phone, on your PC, 24 seven, you have information at your fingertips. I think with what I do, Vision 33, we do ERP. I, I think that we get typically two types of customers. 
And we classify them as sophisticated, meaning that they know how this stuff works. They've done implementations before, either at another company or maybe they did it 10 or 15 years ago at this company and looking to upgrade to a new solution or unsophisticated, which are usually smaller companies, but they can be big companies that haven't done this. They don't have experience to it. And we kind of have two sales strategies and also two marketing strategies that target the sophisticated customer that knows where you can just kind of cut to the chase or the unsophisticated customer where I don't know. I think we kind of maybe try to get them dreaming a little bit, you know, thinking big, like the possibilities, like you can automate this stuff. You can get enterprise level automation for small to mid-sized businesses, get them thinking like that to get those wheels turning in order to try to get those leads that way. I mean, is that typical? I mean, it doesn't have to be that exact breakdown, but I mean, is that a good way to kind of uh, segment it to reach different markets to right Yeah, market. and especially if, so those are your two different ideal client types, right? So right. understanding the, 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 the common problem, like do, they, do both of those ideal clients have the same common problem or are they slightly different? By the way you're describing it, it sounds like they're a little bit different because well, you know you're more it's going to be a little different but it's mostly going to be the you know roughly the same I, I don't know if it's the same problem but it's going to be the same solution it's yes it's the same solution but the right. reason if if the if the problem that they're trying to solve is different right. right your message has to be a little bit different but also too if the end result the benefit may be a little bit different too, right? Because the benefit for a larger company may be quite a bit different than what oh, a yeah. smaller business may need, right? So within those two different ideal client types, you may have to tweak the message a little bit, but your overall message, right, about your ERP solution, you still want to have an overall message. And I think you can still boil down the problem that you solve and the benefits so that they're universal enough to those two ideal client types. Yeah. But when you're having a, an actual sales conversation or you're specifically targeting one or the other, you may get a little bit more detailed in what you say and how you say it. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, that makes total sense. So you, you brought up this a little bit too. You said as far as the storyboard. I believe you were saying. Yep, story brand. You kind yep. of go through there. You tell the do the story with your customer. What about the big picture of it all, though? Pulling it together and having a full blown plan. How do you go about creating that? We so we recommend using a ninety day marketing plan. Okay, I okay. think um, it is so easy to overcomplicate marketing. Frankly, it's so easy to overcomplicate a lot of things. Yeah, and. What we find is most businesses, if they make their marketing plan too complicated, you know, oh, I just worked with this consultant and they put together this 15, 20 page marketing plan. It's too much. It's they get overwhelmed. It goes in a desk drawer. Frankly, if you had if you had a 20 page marketing plan at the beginning of 2020, come April, come March, most of us would have burned it because yeah. we would have had to shift. So what I find is with 90 days, it's long enough to start taking action and start seeing some results from the actions that you're taking, but it's short enough where you can start to learn and make course corrections along the way. So it's like our businesses right. are evolving quick, quickly and our marketing needs to evolve quickly as well. So we use a simple 90 day marketing plan. You put in what you need to this. I mean, literally David, this is, if you're if you type a lot and you know you, you're kind of wordy, maybe it's two or three pages, but it's not any longer <laughs> than that. And wordy, you get if in you're a little wordy. Yeah, if you're a little wordy, right? You get in there and you take the action, and you measure what's happening, and then at the end of the ninety days, you just what worked, what didn't, update my plan and move on to the next 90 days. I just think if most people did that, they would accomplish so much more in a year than if they tried to overcomplicate it and put in this huge long plan. Oh yeah, totally agree. So right now with the pandemic that we're in, I mean, a lot of budgets for a lot of businesses out there are 
shrinking. And for whatever reason, there's two main areas that companies always cut budgets for. One <laughs> is marketing and two is IT because they feel like, hey, you know, business is tough. So we're going to stop trying to get more customers and we're not going to have the infrastructure to support the customers that we're not going to bring on. I mean, I don't know. I think that's like usually not the place that you should cut budgets. But in this day and age, what kind of percentage of their budget is a healthy amount to have allocated for true marketing plans? Oh, man, that that's a loaded question, actually, because I think it depends oh, on I know. it depends on your industry, how how much profit, how profitable you are, because some businesses are held a lot more profitable than others. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've seen recommendations anywhere from like five to 20 percent of your overall revenue. Um, 20% obviously is, is on that high end. Um, but you know, you got to look at how profitable are and how much you can afford to invest in it. Here, here's the thing that I'll tell you. One, if you see marketing as an expense, it's a problem because you'll do exactly what you just said. You can cut it and marketing is not like a light switch. You cannot turn it on and off. If you, treat it like a light switch and you turn it on and off, your business will go up and down. It's just going to go down. in these cycles. Marketing is like a flywheel. You have to invest the money in it to, you know, get that flywheel going. And as long as you keep putting in, you'll, it'll continue to gain that momentum and go. But the minute you stop feeding that flywheel, it's going to take that much longer to get it back up and going. So obviously I'm biased because I am a marketer, but with what we're dealing with right now. So you're I, saying 20% then? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I tell all my clients 20%. Um, but it's, you just, cutting your marketing is one of the worst things that you can do. Um, oh, yeah. Because it's not gonna serve you in the long run. And frankly, guess what most of your competitors do, are doing? They're cutting. So if you can find ways to continue to invest in it, you will be positioned that much better as things go back up. So I guess, how can people really judge that their marketing is actually it's working? Really working for them? Yeah, that's a. I've never heard that question before. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that is a fault of a lot of marketers where we we haven't been supplying customers with the data that they need. Right. Mm -hmm. Mar like I said, marketing is an investment. What do we expect to get from an investment? We expect to get a freaking return from it. So if right. you're not getting a return from it, you need to be making course corrections to figure out where you can get a return. But I also think, look, I was a math major. So, I mean, I can dig into the analytics <laughs> with anybody and have fun with it. But you can't, most people dig too deep and they look at vanity metrics. It's like, oh gosh, how many followers do I have on social media? How many visits do I have to my website? Who cares? Are you, are you bringing in leads? How many of those leads are you converting to customers? And what are those customers worth to you? Keep it high level. That's really what matters. Because then if you need to dig in and get more specific, right? To find out, hey, are these, which channels are working and which aren't? fine that's okay but start simple are you generating leads how many of those leads are you converting to customers and what's the lifetime value of a customer because then you can start to attach a value mm -hmm. to what your marketing has brought in to determine whether you're getting a return on your investment keep it simple the vanity metric yeah. I, I mean who how there are a gazillion influencers out there that have whatever 10 10,000, 100,000, a million followers, and they're not generating jack for revenue. None of it matters. I'm an influencer now. Yeah. <laughs> I got 2,000 subscribers. So See, there you, there, there you go. You know? There you go. Well, I got articles on Forbes now, so maybe I'll get some more in a couple of weeks. D yes. that's Hey, that's <laughs> a good place to be. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's a real good explanation, I think, about you know, if your market is working, the data and stuff like that. Another point of view that comes in is say marketing is bringing you demand. It's, it's helping create demand. It's bringing potential people, you know, through your door. 
but then it's not being sold okay it's not getting the conversion think not just digital sales but think of it more like i don't know part dealership or what i do with software something mm -hmm. like that okay you're bringing me leads we're not selling it is that a symbol that your marketing is not working or your sales machine isn't working or could it be both it it could be both right and so part of that i think especially in larger companies it's not uncommon to have this this like disconnect just, between yeah. between sales and marketing um which has always been really difficult for me to understand because i see them being very they're one and the same it's like marketing I mean, VPs, do you have VP, sales and marketing, director, sales and marketing, sales and marketing manager. It's yes. like they always go together. I don't know if they actually should be always together. I think having a true dedicated marketing manager that's really big at the numbers, stuff like that, and someone separate, it depends on the company, the industry, I guess. But I, I view having those separate might be better sometimes. But the way I view together. it is the job of your marketing is to get people to know, like, and trust you. Mm -hmm. And when you can do that, oh, like you are that. then handing off leads that are warm and ready to go to your sales department. Now, if your sales, we talked about marketing messaging. Mm -hmm. If the messaging from marketing to sales is not consistent, you're going to have a breakdown. Oh, yeah. So you've got to make sure that that marketing message is, is permeated throughout your company, not, not just from marketing, but in sales, customer service, we all need to be on the same page. Otherwise there are going to be the whole company. Yep. There are going to be problems. So that, that conversion issue could be a sales problem, right? right? Or it could be that you, it could be a target market problem. Yeah. You're attracting leads that are not ideal candidates. And then when you hand them off to sales, Mm -hmm. They're not converting because they're not ideal. So you, you know, you can't just say it's one or the other. I think you have to dig into the, into, into the, the information to really figure out why they're not closing yep. and stuff like that. And it's really cool because I talked to a lot of experts, you know, like you marketing, a lot of different areas of business. And it's kind of cool because a lot of the stuff you all Tell us, like what you're saying now, digging into the data there to figure it out, are things that either I do personally for myself or my region here, Vision 33, or us as a company are doing ourselves. And that's one of the big things that we really started tracking as far as if we lost a deal, why did we lose a deal? What's yeah. the reason, the sub-reasons? Uh, tracking competitors. Uh, when we get a new deal coming in, we try to get all the info we can so that we can really figure out why are we losing deals? You know, why are we winning deals? What works? What doesn't work? Yep. And that's the only way you can make knowledgeable decisions and make strong decisions is you got to have some data that you can look at to determine what's going on. And then you can feel confident about the decisions that you're making and the changes that you need to make. So before we get you to give out your information to everybody, I want to see, do you have any final words of advice? A lot of small businesses are out there struggling right now. What final words of advice do you have of something easy and small that they could possibly change, tweak, implement that may give them a little spark in the meantime? Uh, from a marketing perspective, don't skip the fundamentals. Make sure you understand your target market, make sure you have good messaging and make sure you have a plan in place. The fundamentals lay the foundation for your long-term success. So right. don't skip them or skip them at your own risk. But I'll tell you right now, you're gonna waste time and you're gonna waste money. So don't skip them. That's my advice. Perfect. Hey, this has been amazing, Tim. This is really fun, really enlightening. I think this has been a educational, but yet, fun and lighthearted conversation. It's been pretty awesome. How can people reach out to you? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. If, um, if they like what we talked about, they want to learn more, they can pop on over to our website at rialtomarketing.com. That's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. Uh, we did put together some resources just for your Shark Bite Biz listeners. So if they go to rialtomarketing.com forward slash shark dash bite dash biz, there's some free resources at that link that will help them with the marketing fundamentals. 
And if they want to, you know, jump on a call and get a free consult with us, they can take advantage of that there and be happy to, to give them some insight as to where they should focus their marketing efforts right now for the best return. Great stuff, Tim. And everybody out there watching or listening to the show, as always, we will have the links in the descriptions below. And make sure you check this out, especially when it is free. That is the best marketing advice you can get. <laughs> so thank you again, Tim. This has been a pleasure. Uh, once this pandemic ends, man, definitely want to get you back next year and we'll put you in the chum bucket. Oh. <laughs> awesome. I look forward to it, David. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Wow. Such an awesome interview with Tib. I loved it. Tib, if you're watching this, and I know you are because you love my show. Amazing, man. Thank you so much for coming on. But hey, everybody out there, do me a favor. You know the routine by now. If you love this podcast, just hit the subscribe button. Hit that like button. Leave a comment. Regardless of what platform you're on, if you're on YouTube to iTunes to Spotify to Google Podcasts, please help this channel grow. Help us grow this community like-minded individuals to really get business growth. I mean, like I said in the intro, I'm launching my own coffee brand and I'm doing that because of everything I've learned on this show. It has unlocked a new thinking mentality in my brain to where I'm now 100% comfortable going out there and doing something like that. So if you really liked it though, do us a solid. I mean, seriously, share this interview out. Again, if you're in the audio podcast, if you're in the video podcast on YouTube, whatever it is, share this out to your network. Get it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you can. Let's get Tim Fitzpatrick, Shark Bite Biz, and Rialto Marketing trending. Now let's get back to Tim. Some of the things Tim said were awesome, and it was just really, really clear. I mean, having a clear, concise message to your audience is critical. It will allow them to make better decisions faster. As I say with many things, and I've said this many times on the show, don't overcomplicate it. You can have the simplest product in the world, but you can overcomplicate it so easily and you're killing sales. Look at a hamburger, okay? This is, a, I think this is a pretty good example. Most people just want to know about the final product, okay? They don't really care how the hamburger was made. Oh, what kind of machine did you use to ground up the beef? No, they're really not asking that. Most don't care. Some people, though, they do care. Maybe you have a niche market there, a niche product to where you're looking for the people that want to find out, oh, were they grass-fed cows? Were they this? Were they that? How was it transported? Is it fresh? And if you do, that's great. Then get into those details a little bit. But even with those details, you gotta kind of learn, where do you draw that line? Don't get lost in the weeds. And I think the biggest... Uh, that again. And I think the biggest mistake that companies make, again, whether it's marketing or it's on the sales side, is that they're making things harder than what they have to. Clarity and simplicity is key. Get the message out, make the point, and do it with the fewest amount of words possible. Words and images, okay? Don't be given a cluttered piece of marketing Simplicity is best. Even in 2021, people are looking for simple things that they can just look at it, you know, maybe read a few sentences or something like that, or just see some keywords, some buzzwords, bing, bing, boom, they get it, they bought it. Now, like Mr. Tim says, if you could do this, if you can get that simpler, more precise message in your sales and marketing, it is going to lead not just to more conversions and more sales, but it's going to lead to better sales and better quality customers. They will buy more and buy more frequently because, because they get it, okay? Up sales to these customers, 
way easier. Why? Well, essentially because you connected with them. We talk a bunch on this show about personal branding, personal connections. That carries over to the brand, to the business, to the corporation, okay? You can, in essence, take some of that same strategy that you're using to personally connect with somebody and push that through your brand to get that personal brand connection with them. That is really talking next level type marketing and brand awareness. And I think it will really allow you to achieve the growth that you've been looking for. So today's question of the day, how do you simplify your message and make it more concise? What tips do you all have to achieve that? Leave the comment down below on YouTube or Spotify or Google Podcast or iTunes or wherever you're watching or listening to this show. Let's get the conversation flowing. And again, just another shout out to all of the fans out there that have made this show a smashing success. You know, we are booking well over six months right now. Don't be discouraged, though. I will get every single person on this show that wants to be on. I love talking to you all. Like I said, it helped me write that first Forbes article. It's helping me launch my own coffee bread. A lot of good info. I want to help you get your story out there so people can learn who you are shoot me an email david at sharkbitebiz.com and we're really just going to keep rocking this thing out together so you guys know this by now but i'll tell you one more time i'm david strausser this is shark bite biz and guess what we'll see you all next episode cheers Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.